1: Like Kobe in the fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. It is Tuesday, October 26th. Minnesota Timberwolves are 2 and 1. They play the Milwaukee Bucks on Wednesday in Milwaukee. Uh, I have Britt Robson of post, here to join me uh, for this episode to just kind of talk about these, these three games that have transpired. I think mostly we'll, we'll probably, well, what, what is most recently on our minds is is what happened in the third game which was a loss to those Pelicans. Britt, I literally just finished reading uh, your column off of that game and off of what's happened thus far uh 5 minutes ago. So I'm excited to to talk to you about it because you kind of took the cat angle very much um obviously in 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 your piece was was about cat. I'm more in in my post-game podcast focused on what Anthony Edwards had to say which is which is interesting because we're hi- we're both highlighting what we feel is, you know, the the most important dynamic to highlight. So, what, why for you was what Carl Anthony Towns did and did not do in that game
2: most important? Because he remains the most consequential player on the Wolves due to their lack of depth in terms of rim protection and guarding bigs. Uh, what's behind him is Nas Reed and Jared Vanderbilt and uh that is a 20 win team if uh essentially that is your your you know your fulcrum in the paint and so um he's the most valuable player on the team in terms of success this season and i was hoping and still have hope i mean people can evolve but it was disappointing to see yet another game where um cat played to the refs almost right out of the gate from the opening whistle the know, first man. time yeah. the first time uh he went to you know the cup okogie got a nice rebound perfect outlet pass you know uh half the court length cat caught it just over the half court line barreled toward the basket valentunas might have fouled him but on like the first or second play in the game it was very early in the game and um it was a bang bang play he kind of went up straight but i wouldn't have been upset if he called the foul i wasn't upset that there wasn't a foul but cat was he was very upset and you know i mean or at the very least he was beginning to initiate a pattern where he could get upset i guess is a better way to put it right and me- meanwhile they're going back down the court and uh you know, uh, they play five on four for a while. And then the they wide open three that gets missed and D'Lo is underneath the ball for the rebound. And here comes Cat because he's finally getting back into the play. And it basically knocks it out of bounds, a joint rebound with Dilo. There wasn't any Pelican around him. And it went from there. I mean, essentially the first third of the column just basically talks about what happened in the first eight and a half minutes. And it is continual Cat versus the refs shenanigans and you know it's what the problem with that is having seen every single game he's ever played in the in the NBA is i know how frequent these uh refs get in my head things are and now they're being buttressed by things like uh you know um gorilla battling videos pregame and uh uh i don't care about uh you know, we get a couple of whistles. It's not going to take away our new physical identity. And I didn't get in shape to, uh, you know, back down from anybody. It's like, it's all very troubling in terms of what it means for this team this season. Um, right. Are they going to uh, play smart? Because there's not, as much as I like the Wolves, and I do, I really like this Wolves team. Uh, I, I like the depth. I love the coach. Um, but they don't have a lot of margin for error. You know, I mean, they could be a 30-win team if they let go of the rope, uh, and they could be a 40-41-win team, I think, if things go well. And that's a big difference. And so uh, I think they're one less win than I would have figured them for after last night because they should have won that game. And it isn't just Cat, I should emphasize. I mean, D'Lo continues to play horribly. Yeah, we'll get Um, to that.
1: (laughs) okay no I, I I think you bring up that first eight minutes and 37 seconds of the game and it's just it's such an example of cat being the best player of the team being the the leader of the the incumbent leader of the team and what they always say right is that the leader personifies the identity of the group and and that that felt, that never to me had felt more true than in those first eight minutes and 37 seconds last night where cat just being flabbergasted by the, the refs and, and not getting the calls, which they made bad calls. The second foul was bad. Um, but the, the way he handled that so just derailed or just, I, it, it just created who the wolves were going to be that night from every man down the bench to the whole stadium of fans just catching on his energy and that place blowing up with refs do suck chants and again I think the refs made some bad calls I actually think they made some worse calls in the second half of the game but it is just it's a little bit troubling that he is the personified that the team is personified by cap because I don't think it's a healthy relationship with the referees. I don't think it isn't there is an accurate balance between what Carl thinks is going on in the games and what the refs think is going on in the games. And as we all know, the refs don't care who wins the game. So there's not some there's not some inherent bias against Carl. And if it is, it's you know, it's it's marginal, right? Where star players and it's it,
2: I mean, I believe there may be beginning if not an established bias because he has a reputation now in a history 100 that second I mean, call he got
1: because of his reputation and because i mean he had been showing up the refs for eight because minutes 37 been baiting yeah them. exactly yeah so <laughs> so that ref that big dude he was like i'm yeah. not having it and and i'm he goes i know if i hit you with this second foul right now you're going to sit down on the bench so he sat him down on the bench then that, that that's not line by the ref but like that's not all on, on the ref in that sort of way. So it was just, it was so interesting, and not to totally stray away from from Cap, because you had a lot of other things I want to get to there, but it was so interesting to have Cap be the personification of the game for the, the eight minutes, the 48 minutes of that game, and then to go to post-game and begin to understand that the dynamic of who is or will eventually be in charge of this team is beginning to change with the emergence of Anthony Edwards, not only as a player, but just as a leader within that group. I mean, he's, he firmly put himself in the mix as one of the leaders of this team with cat and Dilo, given what his it's the first time he'd ever ripped on his teammates at all in uh, in a post-game press conference.
2: Right. And I'm not even sure it was accurate, but I think it was a statement. Yeah. And, um, you know i'm, I'm i mean to, for readers who don't or listeners who don't know um he basically said that the the big 3 were hogging the ball too much and not sharing the ball um i'm i'm good with that i i like the idea of the big 3 getting 75 to 80% of the shots um and the example he gave when pressed on it, I think it might've been you or somebody else who said, well, what, what are you specifically, are you talking about? And he said, well, Joshua Kogi was wide open in the corner. Well, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other side will rest their case there then. But, um, but I do like the idea that Ant wants to make the depth remain a strength and not have it be a bifurcated, uh pecking order not have it be there's the big three and then four five and six you know i mean because in some respects maybe jaden mcdaniels is four and he's a real quiet dude and uh maybe malik beasley is five or something or pat bev is five or whatever but i mean you get into that realm where you start to uh you get a real interesting assortment of people who are in that next tier and uh you know, I mean, it, it it's the kind of thing where I don't know if Ant is heading something off or creating something, quite frankly. But I do think that, as I, I'll repeat myself, the margin of error is small and they need to be synergized. That team needs to get the most out of its talent because they're picking their poison uh, between, you know, they have to generate turnovers and get points off turnovers to, uh, you know, accommodate, uh, how terrible they are on the offensive glass, or they have to sheerly outscore people and throw defense out the window, which is kind of what Finch did.
1: In the I fourth, mean, Finch yeah. is
2: not, and, and the, the, last two halves, he's not played okogi nor Vanderbilt very much at all right. in the second half, because he knows the offense is way behind the defense and he's just going for firepower. What a thing, man. I mean, how
1: crazy is that, that the Minnesota Timberwolves offense is so far behind their defense? What
2: a... Well, part of that, I mean, and I give him credit. He really did. Ryan Saunders, Tom Thibodeau, Rick Adelman, you know, name the coaches, going back Sam Mitchell, Flip Saunders. We're going to concentrate on defense this preseason. right? And then they come out and play the same old shit. You know, it's... uh, whether you think the defense is good or bad. And I know that's going to be a conversation for us later on in this podcast, but they clearly are scrappier and have an idea of what the plan is
1: Mm
2: -hmm. uh, much more than they have in previous seasons. And the cost of that, you know, uh, cramming, you know, for a, a final exam of the opening day was the fact that their offense is not sorted out at all and so and that's very obvious and on top of that Dilo sucks right now right. i mean he's just a bad bad player and and as the guy who has the ball in his hands probably still even more than cat even despite the fact he's not playing well and cat is uh I, I think that uh, that's that's a big factor too. So to
1: that end, I, I was just at at Wolves practice, and um, we we're we're waiting for Finch to come over to do his media, and it was a long wait because just the last two people on the floor talking for a while were him and Dilo, and which I, I I think makes sense just on paper, right? Of like right, you know, Dilo's struggled. Dilo's been open himself about the fact that he's that he struggled right. struggled, but um, it was interesting that then when Finch did come over, the first thing that came out of his mouth was that it was a testy practice and, and he, he said it in a good way because it, it showed that right. people cared, but what I don't know, I'm, you know, for listeners who don't know, we're not there for the whole practice. We're there for the, the end right. of it. I have no idea what that testiness looked like, but you know, there's, there's different ways. You you can't imagine it, and I'm with Finch. I don't think it is a bad thing. Right. Quite frankly, no, it's a good thing. It you know because there
2: were it was a bad loss. Mm-hmm. It was a loss. That's exactly that, what he um, said. Okay, good. Uh, and you know, and it it was a bad loss because the Pelicans will be better. They're not a good team, but they'll have Zion at some point in time, and that will be exactly what this Wolves team can't handle right now, mm-hmm. and. It was a home game. I mean, they need to make hay in these, you know, out of their first eight games, seven are at home. And it doesn't get any easier than what we just went through. Houston and New Orleans without Zion twice. That was the easy part. And so they should be two and one. We talked about it last time we were on together. Um, Three and oh, or two and one. We never thought oh, and three or one and two, you know. So it was too bad.
1: Yeah. And, and it's, it'll be, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see on Wednesday how they respond. Right. You know, and Wednesday, Milwaukee, Giannis, Saturday, uh, Nikola Jokic and Jokic. the Denver Nuggets. I mean, it's going to be, um, as Ant put it after the game, he's like, well, now, cause we lost this, our, our backs are back up against the wall. And, and you have this situation where you go, you, yeah, you go Milwaukee, Denver, and then Orlando, and I think what like the old wolves would do is lose those two games, right? Now you're now you're two and three, and then you beat Orlando, and now you're back, oh, we're three and you know, they kill they Orlando. Go, okay, we're in the playoff mix, right? Exactly. Yeah. And and so I do think kind of these next two games will be somewhat telling of at least where they're at right now. Um, right. in you know, in distinguishing themselves as being different from the quote unquote old wolves. And And yeah, it probably does require some testiness. I don't think just the past couple years. I don't think they've had that. And I, I think it's, you know, it it probably has cost them. You're not gonna just go into Milwaukee and just beat them. Like you're gonna beat them because it means something more to you. That sounds kind of cliche, but like you know what I'm talking about, right? Like you're going to need to be like greater than the sum of your parts. And I think that's what just is interesting timing with the with what cat did in that game behaviorally, what cat said post game, which is the same thing he said all the time of it's all on me. It's all on me. Um, put it all on my shoulders, but no specifics, no specifics. And you know, it's
2: a lot. See, of- that's what I want to hear. I want to hear. I lost my head. That's I allowed myself saying. to get. Yeah. He, he was 32 you
1: know, when he, he, I mean, he had a statistically a great game as you put in the, in the column, you yeah. know, 32, 14 and seven plus eight with him off minus 17, plus eight with him on minus 17 with him off. Like when you say it's all on me and you have a shiny, you know, you have a shiny <laughs> stat line like that. It's just, And what like, are you saying? Right, I, right. Yeah.
2: I know. And it, again, it's you, it's, what you want, what you want in that dynamic is someone someone's like, Oh no, cat, look at your line. Right you, know? right. you didn't, you know, I'll never, the first time he pulled that was like, uh, I think his second year in the league, I actually wrote a column about that too. Uh, where he said, it's all on me. And, you know, nothing, the whole game's on me. He's like in his second season. I was back in the old locker rooms. Uh, and uh, I said, what specifically? Mm-hmm. He said, just everything, the defense, uh, you know what I mean? But it told me if he had said, you know, I blew a pick and roll. I miscommunicated with somebody. I lost the dribble on something. Mm-hmm. I took a shot when my teammate was wide open just give me something that indicates that you're not trying to use quote unquote accountability as a coat of armor to protect you from being ripped because that's what I suspect. And that's where I lose respect, you know? Um Well, and that's the difference
1: Brit between what he said. And then when Ant came in about an hour later right. and, and Ant's entire, Everything he said was all about accountability, not not only accountability on himself, but honestly, he put I mean, he at least evenly distributed the accountability between himself, Kat and Dilo, and all 100 percent right. of it. He put on those on those three. And again, like proof will be in the pudding. I don't know what is right or wrong, but you're talking about right. year two from Cat, and he's been doing the same thing. It's year seven. He's been, he's done. That's what it, it's always done. And I just, I just wonder, you know, is that type of leadership something that works? My inclination is to believe that the accountability tactic is better if for no other reason than it's just different. And And I'm, yeah, it's going to, it's leading to this collision. And I don't necessarily mean collision in a bad way, but a collision between cat and ant where... Where it, it could be testy, or it could work, right? And that collision mm-hmm. could lead to growth, and that goes back to the being greater than the sum of your parts, and being able to go into Milwaukee and get a win, beat a Denver team. Those, you know, those sort of team right. things, and and put yourself in in the position that you said you were going to be in a playoff team, right? And right. this has been the, again the pattern for years. It's it's the same thing every year. Is Playoffs this year, where this is what we've changed with the defense. We've done these and this and that. And what has never changed is it being backed up in in the results. And for me, glass half full, Ant saying what he said, who Ant is becoming as a player and as a leader, leads me to believe
2: that it, for the first time it could be different. Mm-hmm. And also, another part of this dynamic is Precisely because of their history, the Wolves are going to be taken lightly by both Milwaukee and Denver. Mm. There will be an opening. The Bucs will not be on their A game immediately. I mean, the last few times the Bucs have played the Wolves, if memory serves, Mm -hmm. I mean, it hasn't ever been close. Um, You know, and so uh, they just don't match up well, usually. But you have this scheme where if the wolves do their thing, which is turn people over, get a lot of points off turnovers and shoot well in the half court, you know, they can win a game. Mm -hmm. Milwaukee gives you the three. Um, If they make those threes and they, they pressure the ball. uh, Yeah. The bucks are going to get like 70 points in the paint. I, I I mean, especially if Lopez plays. And so. um, Well, I think that's worth distinguishing.
1: I think the Wolves have a shot in this game because hmm. I think full health Milwaukee crushes them because they completely tap into the weaknesses of this Wolves team, which is their size, right? And right. and when you normal Bucks, when you go Lopez at the five, Giannis at the four, Middleton at the three, Grayson Allen at the two, Holiday at the one. I mean, Drew you, Holiday you, at the one. one yeah, I mean, or Jordan Hill right, 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 that's right, as big yeah. as that's as big as any team in the league, and right, quite right. frankly. The wolves have no shot against teams like that, right now. Unless I mean they they go crazy, shoot lights out, and get a lot of turnover. But that goes back to what like the dynamic of the the fourth quarter last night. What happened was, you know,
2: go or even the third quarter of that game, right, right. when Ant was right. going
1: off, getting twenty one.
2: No, I know. I remain optimistic about that, and 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 fruit, fruitlessly. I mean, no, probably I, a wrong, certainly wrongly on the on the facts, but I, I do. I mean, it gets to a greater discussion. I think the scramble scratch aspect, getting eleven guys involved, which I know is another thing you disagree with, um, is something that is workable with this roster if people have their stuff together. And Finch is is got his uh, he if if he is as genius at at inserting people as he was with McLaughlin, you know, 11th man, and some of the things he pulled in the opener. Uh, They've got a a puncher's chance, but um, I would not, I mean, let's face it. Lopez, Giannis, and Middleton engaged. I'm not even talking playoff engaged. I'm talking about, like, big game engaged, or we can't lose this game engaged if they're down eight in the third quarter. I mean, if, if, if that happens and the Wolves aren't playing like, right near the top of their game then it's not going to happen well Um, yeah to to wrap
1: up my point for why they have a chance i don't think again i don't think they have a chance against the engaged bucks but this this bucks team is is not the engaged they're three and one right now so they kind of look like who they are they want a
2: ring they want a ring if you win a ring and you're playing in october you really don't give a damn
1: well well there might be some of that um that showed up they lost to miami by 42 that showed up but i think if you actually watch (laughs) if you actually watch the games i think it's let less so about the engagement for them and, and more so about the fact that Lopez is so important that to what they do and they don't have Bobby Portis. I mean, Thanassis is the backup center right now. He's like a wolves big. Um, right. and, and then they, <laughs> they have this Mamo kiddish Villy guy. Who's the other, who's the other big, who's a rookie who does clearly, I mean, I've watched, I, I didn't watch the game last night. I've watched the first three games. Like this bucks team is bad at times. and, and so I think the Wolves do have a window in this game. I'm not going to be shocked if they win it because this Bucs team has Giannis at the 5 and is starting Pat Connaughton at the 4. They are very similar to the Wolves in terms of size. And so for me, generally speaking, when I'm, you know, when I'm picking these games and I'm going to look at an opponent, I'm going to give the Wolves a really poor shot at winning any game where I think they can get physically overmatched. And and that's not what this Bucs team is right now. So I, I, I think they're in it and I I'm I think they had a test. You'll practice. take the
2: points at the very least, you'll take the points.
1: Yeah, I I'm I'll take the point and I'll say this. If D'Lo if D'Lo gets off the night. he
2: is so due.
1: He is so due. Well and man, I, I I brought this up to Finch today at practice. I was like, that the way the Bucks defend is the type of team. That Delo historically cooks against, right. You know, they're going to drop right. that big back of the, the mid range, right. Given right, the mid range. Right, that's, right. that's what he did. At, remember that warriors game at target center, with Delo Yeah, 15 he got a career high. Exactly. You know, so there's, I don't know. I, I think a lot of people, you know, you just pull up the Wolves schedule and you're looking at the next two and you're probably going LL um, in a weird way. I think the Wolves have a better chance against Milwaukee in Milwaukee tomorrow. Than they do at home against Denver on Saturday, but if they win the Milwaukee game, now you got a little bit of a rhythm back. You're like, all right, we hit this, we hit some adversity, and and we bounce back from it. Maybe you got a rhythm going into that game five.
2: Plus, I will mention that if Cat really needs to mean mug people, at least he mean mugs Jokic rather than the refs. <laughs> And that's a positive. That is,
1: that is. Um, all right, but let's uh, let's take a quick break, and then I I do want to let's just uh, talk about the defense because that's something we've we've gone back and forth on a lot, and we now have okay. three games to look at. Quick break. We'll be right back. Today's show was brought to you by Tick Pick, Minnesota Timberwolves basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find wolves tickets anymore because Tick pick, That's T-I-C-K P-I-C-K is the original no fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all MBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their MBA tickets. If you can find better prices for the same seats on any other ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Visit TickPick.com Dane Moore. My name, all one word, no spaces today to save $10 on your first order of Wolves tickets. I heard from a handful of fans who use TickPick to purchase their tickets to the Wolves opener after hearing about it on the pod, and they found the experience to be both easier and more affordable than previous ticket sites they had been using. The Wolves do play seven of their first eight games at Target Center, and TickPick has you covered for all of those games. It was a blast to see fans at the opener matching the Wolves' energy on the floor on Wednesday night, and I look forward to more of that to come. Again, visit TickPick.com slash Moore. My name, all one word, no spaces today to save $10 on your first order of Wolves tickets.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
3: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
1: All right, we are back uh, with Britt Robson of Men Post. We're talking about where the Wolves are at three games into their season, two and one. They're coming up against Milwaukee and Denver the rest of this week. The... Just from Britt and I sitting next to each other at the games, the a point of contention in our conversations <laughs> and over dinner has been at, been about where this Wolves team is at defensively. Um, purely going off of statistics, the Wolves defensively are in a better spot than, I guess, what my very good spot. Yeah, very, I mean, very but good but spot. Were... I,
2: I, I, I agree with you, though, at, to the extent that. The statistics are rosier than the reality. What I, I haven't even looked it up today. Where are they at in terms of defense right now? And I don't game? know now. I know they were like ninety-one-seven after two games. Right, and they, I, they I, were they first. I, and I don't think the Pelicans had a great offensive game last night either. Right. Um. Here we go. Pulling up.
1: Great radio. The Wolves are still They're third in defense. In, yeah, third in defense according to. Are they Cleveland. are they on, under, under ninety-five or are they over ninety-five? Ninety-three-two with garbage time removed. Yeah which is obviously an an incredible number. Um, The the question, though, is is about the execution versus the execution of the Wolves defense versus the execution of the Houston Rockets and the New Orleans Pelicans. And I think the gray area here is we're seeing this scramble identity to the Wolves um, around the action being what their defensive identity really is. And um, to some extent, I think they're doing a good job of, of closing out on those shots there. But also the, I, I think the Pelicans and the Rockets just missed a, a lot of shots as well, where maybe against a more av- even average, you know, opponent, a lot more of those threes are hit. And that number isn't 93, two anymore. And, you know, we have something more towards the middle of the pack, which would still be a good, you know, still be a good number, but right, right. We're, we're not at a point to even really care all that more. For me, I don't really look at lineup data or give too right. much credence yet. to any of that for right. I usually say 20 games is where we really have a good idea. So, yeah, the question is what what are we seeing with our eyes in in terms of what is working defensively and what is not? What what have you seen
2: through these first 3? Well, I think that when they have the really active defenders on the court that the, the generally lackadaisical defenders play better. Sure. I think they're they're catalysts. I think that Okogi in particular, especially in the first game and a half, um played extremely well. Um I thought he played a good four or five minutes last night and and then you know uh, it was toast. Now now some of it is and, and Vanderbilt, I should mention, had a great second half or, or maybe a first half or third quarter of the second game. I can't remember right. when, but the guy had like eight rebounds and three steals in 12 minutes, only got 12 minutes. Um, only got nine that, minutes last night, too. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, and okogi got like three minutes after halftime last night. Yep. They, they have been relegated to the bench. And I understand his reasoning, but I also think – um, that leads back to what he said in Vegas during summer league. We are what we are and what we are is really an offensive team. Mm-hmm. And and I think he's a little worried that um, that offense is not gelling as easily as he hoped. He thought it would be self-sustaining. I think he realizes it needs to have a little more attention paid to it in terms well, of a little rotation. bit more
1: kindling. I mean, that's why he yeah. chose to go with, Malik Beasley last night over I mean, the other options would have been Jared Vanderbilt or Patrick Beverly, which are right. It's kind of like a spectrum there, right? Of like Beasley's the
2: the the option. And if you throw in Torian and Prince, you basically have the entire spectrum, right? I mean, you really do to some Mm -hmm. extent. And so it is kind of weird. He does, I mean, but but think about what what we just said too, though. It's what I love about this roster right now is that there's so many possibilities. And so you get Finch's thinking without him telling you what he's thinking to some extent. Yeah. And so, and that's fun. You know, Uh, I, I do, I am a little disappointed. I mean, they went drop back. Uh, with Valanciunas, and he got 23 rebounds and 22 points. Well, that's, what could? I mean, yeah. we might as well just let him roam free and see if we can deny him the ball and and get some points at the other end. At this point, well,
1: that know? that's an interesting thing about it. I, I think most teams, right, when you're just presented with the, you know, you, you, you kind of think about it if you're the the coach coming in of, you know, how are we going to defend pick and rolls? You you ask yourself, who's going to be the initiator and who's going to be the big, right? And, and to the Pelicans, you know, you go, okay, it's Devonte Graham and, you know, and, and Jonas Valanciunas. And JV, right. Yeah. So we're going to care, you know, we're going to care more about the paint. That's not Steph Curry. That's not, you know, Damian. Like right, right. It, it's a, it's a situation to play drop in um, and, and not aggressively yet. Drop has this weird element to it where it leaves you very susceptible for the roller rolling big, even if they're not getting the ball to get the offensive rebound. And if
2: cat is the guy especially
1: totally exactly Th- that's, that's not his that's not i mean it's gotten to the point already it's a smart strategy I mean, if cat knows knows how to do it which we have again six years of
3: we
2: had like five weeks last season and three games this season to know that he's already better at the level than he is dropping back well, it's, he already i mean but it's what he the, wants
1: you... to do it's what he wants to do and thus engages him more it doesn't even matter if it's the right or wrong tactic again. A lot it of maybe pe- maybe a right, lot of right. coaches against New Orleans when they're facing Valanciunas will always will always have their center play back because Valanciunas isn't a isn't much of a pop threat. It's like the obvious move. But with Cat, he falls out of engagement once you take him out of the action. That's why if we're talking about these three games, I thought the first game was really good against the Rockets. You know, you you have Cat is the most important piece. He is engaged. When you are playing more aggressive, you're putting him up at the level. He's scrambling out there. He loves it, and and it is, and a few
2: times during that game last night, he was allowed to play at the level on pick and roll. That was and he, you're he right. loved it. I, he
1: loved it. And and that's what I'm curious about. If he just has a the ability to freelance that to some degree or not, because that is different than previous seasons where yes, where it would right. just be exclusively drop back. But I it, it's just it's very apparent to me that they just need to do whatever cat wants to do. Not because, (laughs) not because we don't need to further feed this martyr complex that is going on, that is already being wedded by the refs and all those sort of things. Right. But from a defensive standpoint, you have to, because you need him. They need him. And,
2: and to be fair to cat, that's not uncommon Mm -hmm. among mediocre defending bigs in the NBA. If they're, you know, I mean, Jokic, gets to play whatever he wants to play mm-hmm. um you know i mean can yeah. really, you know i mean at, at at some point you do have to cater to cat but the flip side is he's got to come through i mean right. and 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 what finch did in terms of the drop back i thought you know was not a good decision and then he compounded it i thought finch didn't i thought finch had his worst game last night mm-hmm. quite frankly yep uh, in terms of uh, a coach what you just said you
1: loved, so I know. Well, but, I do. I, I mean, I. I know. I, I'm not he, even putting
2: that on you. I'm just saying. But I, yeah. I, I just think that uh, I didn't like his decision making on a lot of things. I, I still have no idea why he uses Torian Prince the way he uses them. I don't know how he views Prince. Mm-hmm. He sort of has a Swiss Army knife. I mean, he what he says most often is he likes Prince to guard the big wings you know, the Paul Georges mm-hmm. or the Brandon Ingrams in this case. Um Which isn't, and, isn't
1: a great need on this roster, bizarrely, with
2: what a Kobe yeah, and no. Vando and McDaniels all can do that. Ex- exactly right. And so at the same time, the guy's making $13 million a year and he loves his new ankles and wants to uh, get, he wants to get 20 minutes a night or he's not going to be a happy camper, you know? Yeah, I and don't know so, if we know that yet. I mean, I don't think we... Oh, I... Do. <laughs> I don't think you can, there are guys that the two guys that Finch has to worry about in the rotation are Prince and and Beasley because they're veterans. They're getting paid and yet they are not established veterans. Mm -hmm. They are not guys that if they go to another team, they're automatically in the eight man rotation. Right. Well, an interesting thing
1: was the, so first Pelicans game, you know, J. Mac plays in the fourth quarter and is as response doesn't play all three first three quarters, and then plays the whole fourth quarter as as responsible right, for the right. win as anyone outside of Cat, right? And yeah. and so then you're playing the same opponent. The natural inclination is to again go to McLaughlin. So which he did, which he did. He went to McLaughlin before he went to Prince, which is oddly kind of a choice given. Which you called, you called that. I I well. I wanted that. This is funny
2: because what I want to say,
1: I right? wanted but, I that. Mean, you know,
2: and that, I, it never occurred to me that that was the decision. I mean, you're the rotation guy. <laughs> I'm always looking at matchups, you know, and I'm saying what, what can match up here? And you're looking at what is this guy's normal spot in the rotation? If you play McLaughlin, who is the odd man out? Who doesn't, have the musical chair, you know? And so the thing is you have to choose. The
1: reason I'm the rotation guy in this sense (laughs) is you're playing 11 guys. So you are rotations, (laughs) right. You know, rotations aren't the most important thing in the world. They become more important when you're trying to play 11 dudes and you're trying to manage personalities because what happened in the second game against the Pelicans is by playing McLaughlin, all 12 of those minutes, Beasley got pinched because they brought Delo back in to close the game and he was not happy and he was right. not happy and Beasley you know so Beasley gets pinched in that sort of way now in the next game you wanted to I'm assuming Finch read some of those Beasley flares and so he's then posed with a, a different choice of which wing j is going to be replacing if he's going to be playing next to Delo or Pat Bev right now you're a you're a two guard so it ended up, you know, it ended up being Torian Prince. He did Princeton check in until like three minutes into the second quarter, which is very different than what his, you know, what his right. spot had right. been. So this is why I say I don't want it to be an 11-man rotation. I don't think that is the best idea. Right. I understand. Because of chemistry. Yeah. Chemistry. Yeah. And being able to play guys enough minutes to catch a rhythm. Like, I, I don't, I, I generally skew shorter rotation just, I mean, I, pin, I know every, Every situation, you know, is its own, but I, I would be surprised. I think if Finch doesn't ev- eventually get it down to 10 and the more, the most obvious one would be McLaughlin. Cause he was pretty clearly 11th, you know, coming in, but I think Finch loves McLaughlin. He does. And I think there's reason to love McLaughlin. Um, right. But Who's going to, you know, it's either, it's either, you know, you're going to marginally pinch a bunch of other guys or you're going to have to take Prince out entirely. Well, you know, he, he more than marginally
2: pinched D'Lo in that fourth quarter. True. And, and maybe that's what some of that conversation was about. Right. Is, well, you know, D'Lo I mean, played four minutes have, in two games in a row and there was still the you, pinch. If you have D'Lo... If, if, if you explain to D'Lo, we're going to get you off by getting you going with the second unit, which needs your organization. Right. I mean, D'Lo will probably see through that. He's no fool. But it would still be, um, that would be one way to deal with it. And I think it's not, D'Lo knew that he had the Trump when Ryan Saunders was coach. Mm. I think Chris Finch is the most powerful person in the Wolves organization right now. I'm not lying. I think that he is more powerful than Sasha and Gupta. I think he's more powerful than Mark Laurie. I think that right now, if Chris Finch wants something to happen, that's probably what will happen. And so I think Dilo is also smart enough to know that. So that's actually one (laughs) of the reasons I like the long rotation because Finch feels to me like a guy who, uh, I, to be honest with you, this is what I was going to write about until Cat's game last night. I was going to write about Finch versus the baggage of managing stuff when you're a coach, mm-hmm. which is agents, which is entourages, which is social media. Everybody's all these forces as, Hey, you're, you're not getting this. You are getting this or And you have a bunch of guys, the distance between your fourth most talented player and your ninth most talented player is really not much and usually is situational. And yet Finch is somebody who prides himself on being transparent, on being winning first and on being accountable. And so I love that, that clash between the way things are done in the NBA and the way Chris Finch wants to run his rotations uh, well, yeah, let's I think make it clear
1: that no other teams are playing eleven.
2: I think it's a fascinating case study because it's it's a rare roster that way. It's what it Roses left him. You know, he doesn't have a power forward. If he had a set guy in every position, right. then 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 yeah. you're really you know then you're really you're 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 basically asking people are you going to be second unit or third unit? Mm. And that begins to grade on people. Whereas now, if you say, are you going to be in the f- second rotation this time right. or the third rotation the next time, people can talk themselves out of saying, I'm not a third stringer. It's just the way things are going right now. Right. And, and so- I think it's a it, two, it, two birds
1: sort of thing, right? Um, yeah. Like. He's keeping more people happy, which is a good thing by having them in yep. the rotation, while also it is a tactic for solving the lack of a position on
2: the roster almost completely. Like, And it's a motivational tactic because it is about accountability. Right. And if a player says, you know, fuck you, I'm not doing that. Right. You just say, okay, well, you know. Uh, you forget who's currently the most powerful person in this organization. Right. And let me know when you change your attitude, I'll put you back at the third string.
1: You know, what do you, what do you think to that? end? what do you think about Malik Beasley thus far and, and his attitude? I think he's, I guess I'll go first. I, I think he's been perturbed. Like, like, yeah, he got pin. you know, he got pinched. He hasn't been playing a ton of minutes. I've liked what I've seen out of Malik Beasley in terms of um, focus understanding that his role is different on this team now and and he's trying to find it he hasn't found it he's shot he's still missing a lot of shots short that rhythm isn't really there offensively but I I, I like the work that it feels like is is going on with Malik Beasley and I'm, I'm I'm hopeful that that can catch up and you know pay dividends but curious if there's room for that to be able to happen within the context of of this roster. I think he's a, you, you mentioned Jaden McDaniels is fourth in the pecking order before. I I think it's actually still Malik Beasley or should be. And it's just so bizarre because he's, you know, he might be the fourth, but he's another one way player and he's undersized. It's like, it's the perfect encapsulation of the inherent flaw within this,
2: as I've called it, you know, a broken roster. Well, I I think that um, there's no question in my mind that, mcdaniels is fourth uh just because chris finch loves him and does not back down from the idea that he might be able to groom him into scotty pippen and so i i, think I mean somebody i don't you know i'm not taking it. i love mcdaniels no too. no I'm not no no I'm, and i'm not no, i'm just i'm just uh uh giving my perspective it sounds like a, a rebuttal rather than a right. uh, positing uh but i do think that since we're on the I think I have a pretty good sense of Malik uh, in that he's a very transactional guy, right? He's somebody who says, all right, this is what I've got. I'm going to bust my ass to do it this way. But if he does not get rewarded for doing it this way, you're in trouble. You know, I mean, I really think that Malik is Malik is doing everything he possibly can to be a good teammate. And consequently, he expects to be met at least halfway. He expects when he's not shooting well to get ridden a little bit longer to see if he can get his stroke, uh, that he still takes some bad angles, but he is a little bit better at at getting the bad angles uh, ironed out. And he's also just, he's always been a hustler in terms of how how he's roaming around on the court but he is even more so he he is it used to be that he's kind of cat like and saying hey look at how much i hustle yeah uh and now it's it's uh more hey i'm in this hustling group you know what i mean he seems more community oriented on defense and well put he, and so he he feels like somebody who's bought into the program, but it's like somebody you know who's been sold a set of encyclopedias. He's got A through C in his lap, and he hopes that they're good encyclopedias because he's not buying why if that's the way it's going to go, you know. Right. And so, you know, it's he's he's somebody. I will tell you, Britt, they got it. The they got list. to
1: figure it out, or they got to trade him. I mean it's-
2: this may be a little bit of a jag, but I will tell you that when I heard Ant's comments last night, I thought to myself, this sounds really good to Malik Beasley. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really think about that. If there is anybody yeah. who wanted somebody in a position of power to have his back, hey, people are not getting about. I mean, Malik was one for seven last night, I think. Hmm. And uh I think that you know. I heard you know, remember that shot when uh, he came down and. Um, uh, you wanted him to pull up. Took, took that three, and I yeah. wanted him to pull up, and he did. Jim Pete just just torched him on the broadcast hmm. uh, for doing that because Ant was hot. If you recall, I mean Ant was rolling. Yeah, and and I get you know Jim Pete. I I love the death, and I respect the hell out of his insights. We just happen to disagree now. I think Malik needed to take that shot to establish that, hey... But he hesitated on the
1: shot, Britt. He hesitated on the I shot. Know, he was I coming know, down. and
2: That was his undoing. That was his undoing. And part of that is confidence. And that's yes. a, partly what Ant was talking about. Mm-hmm. Feed that guy when you can feed that guy because when he comes down with an open look, he's going to be able to hit that if he's confident. I, so...
1: I think an interesting part of it is that he's... I mean, Finch, right? Finch chose him last night. So all things equal, right? He's, you know, he's choosing Malik Beasley over, as we put it, Jared Vanderbilt and Patrick Beverly in in that spot, you know, to close the game. He's giving, he's being given. Don't get O'Kogi. Yeah, well, well, I was going to bring him up too. Like, I mean, O'Kogi probably looks like he's getting more of a nod, more of a hike in the pecking order, given that he's starting. But if you look at the minutes, no, it really is, it really is kind of, the big three. It's McDaniel's, and then it's all things equal for that.
2: That it's next situational. Group. It's right. situational, yes. And um, you know, I, and if Pat Bev, I don't, I don't want to interrupt you too much, and this will be a quick one. If Pat Bev says, "Hey, you need to bump me up a little on the pecking order," he'll get it. Right. I mean, Finch is saying right now, "I love this guy because he's allowing me to do what I want," and Pat Bev knows if he all he has to do is ask. Right. Yeah, it,
1: it, it's an interesting dynamic for each one of these guys because you know they were all these are all basically the names we were talking about like who's the fifth starter, right? Well, there was you know I think the the leader in the clubhouse of the summer once the roster shook out just in public perception was it was going to be Vanderbilt, you know, just kind of right. connecting the dots of you know he's the power forward. Well, Vanderbilt has been low. I think he's eighth or ninth
2: on the team in minutes.
1: Right? Yeah. So it's it's not even really it's not even really close in, in that way. The the other I think next natural thought was Malik Beasley would be the the fifth guy, obviously you know sacrificing size and defense, um and and so that's like kind of gotten a shot but not not really either. Then you know Patrick Beverly gets traded for and you're like well you know that they could just go you know you're adding defense more defense with Beverly over Beasley you could have Beverly be that that fifth starter or maybe it's the fifth closer, kind of had that. Dalliance for a while and then out of nowhere Josh Okogi power forward has been the guy right so so it's been it's been interesting and a good uh, yet another good and earned
2: his he earned his second start and probably puncted his fourth start with his third start do you think he should start against Milwaukee no who do you think should start and it's not Vanderbilt I think it's a pretty easy decision well I mean if they're as big as they are no but they're not like, is Brook Lopez is still out? Yeah. Ah, okay. So we just so talk
3: it's
2: about that? The, no. I, you didn't say anything about Brook Lopez. You said about Milwaukee, but it wasn't specific who oh. they had as a starter. Implied. Oh, I, you did say Theonis has been there, yeah. yes. But I didn't know that that meant – does that mean Lopez is out
1: tomorrow night? Yeah, Lopez. Yeah, Lopez has – he played the first game, and he hasn't played the next three games. I know, but I, I mean – I asked Finch about it out? today, and Finch goes, I think Lopez is out.
2: Oh, so well, I think that, it's he wouldn't say that. Yeah, he wouldn't say that. Exactly, pretty sure. So, yeah. uh-huh.
1: so that's why. Okay, the obvious normal Milwaukee, you have to start Vanderbilt, right? Because
2: absolutely, <laughs> you can't, you can't not. But, but in this case, is it the who's who is starting
1: at the Connaughton starting at the four? Oh, so well then
2: Okogi is a pretty interesting counter, then,
1: right? Uh, yeah, I don't know who it'll be. It might be Torian Prince. That's what I was thinking too. Or... You know, or or you could go Beverly <laughs> or Beasley. It's just, it's just so. I don't know, man. I mean, it's just a not need to go big situation. Beasley against Milwaukee sounds like a death wish. But the the thing you want Vanderbilt on Giannis, right? But yes. you're obviously going to start Cat or Torian Prince on Giannis. I know you scoff at that, but no, Finch totally. likes him against big wings. But if if the starting lineup is Giannis and Connaughton, who's cat guarding then? If you're starting Prince. Right or Vanderbilt right. on Giannis, like, who are you?
2: Is Kat Carter Conaton? No, I think what... Giannis will feel like a walk in the park after Valanciunas. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I, don't <know> about that. <laughs> I it, Well, I mean, Kat doesn't mind quick. He does not like size. Well, Giannis is, Giannis is pretty know. physical, too. I yeah, I know. Giannis is pretty amazing. I, I think what it does... But at is, least there's no shame in that, you know? Right. <laughs> I,
1: I think it has to be Kat on Giannis.
2: It does. I mean, but there again, you know, there goes those upset possibilities. I mean, again, it depends. Yeah. Yeah. It,
1: it's shaking out to be a more unique Milwaukee matchup, I guess, than. Right. Right. And I,
2: I like that idea. But you're right. I mean, the whole rotation thing. We're gonna have fun, you know. It's so much fun for the entire year until he settles it down, you know. Well, and I hope he never. Knows. We thought it was gonna be a
1: have... fun puzzle last year too, and then you know Saunders couldn't. Well, that's because it. no, everybody got hurt, and yeah, Saunders true.
2: isn't the coach. Finches. right?
1: You know, mm-hmm. there are
2: two things. I, I
1: still think though, Ryan messed up the rotations last year, and and failed at the puzzle that was the rotations. But I think even with health, that was an unsolvable roster to create rotations for.
2: And this may be too. And I, I mean, that's what I was going to say. I
1: think this roster yeah. is also unsolvable in terms of rotations. That's why we're talking that's what that's what we've been talking about right now.
2: That's well, why it's I going mean, 11 deep.
1: It's not. It.
2: I will give you credit. I mean, you used to give me credit all the time about my Rubio. I used to give you credit. early last No year. more credit. Huh? No more credit ever. <laughs> Years ago. Well, all I'm saying is, I think you've given me more credit than I've given you over the over the past months. Yeah, give me some credit. And it's time for me to say, well, I mean, you 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 have talked about the Powell Ford role. I've talked about that for
1: three years. That's true. That's true.
2: Yeah, but this year is the year when the rubber meets the road. Not having a Power Ford didn't matter as much in the scheme last year. Hmm. And the year before, for that matter, really, if you get right down to it, you know. Well, and the team stuff. Um, yeah. A- and also that they didn't the way they played yeah, you know the it, now that power forward is often the low man, you know, and so it does matter if cat is out on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Who is going to get the offensive rebounds? I mean, that wasn't such take an away issue the offensive year. rebounds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, right. I mean, who's going to get the defensive rebounds? Right. Exactly. And so, um, and McDaniel's is apparently cra- bad at it. I mean, what a bummer! Two rebounds last it, night again. Well, yeah, and some of that has to do with who he guards, though. I mean, he was. Yes, right. I agree with Pelicans that. The Pelicans do. I mean, they're also. He, but McDaniels. Unless is you want tippy, to put tappy. three guys on on, on right? then uh, it didn't matter who, you know, nobody needed to go inside. Right. Valentunas owned the boards on his own.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, how many times last night was that ball getting tipped in the air by Valentunas and three other Wolves? Right. To see who would get it and and how many times, probably 50% of the time, the one pelican among four players got the ball. Right. Well, but that tipping part is I, I,
1: I had been somebody very firmly in the, you know, and I'd even sparred with some people on Twitter about the idea that like you know, McDaniels has a terrible defensive rebounding rate. He did last year, and I was like, okay, get like context, guys. He's guarding the ball. Whatever, I don't think he's actually a bad rebounder. Like, if he's out guarding Luca, he's not going to be down there to go get the defensive rebound when Luca shoots it. Um, but what I think is proving to be more accurate is that I was, I wasn't, I was in part wrong about that as well, where he might not have a strong rebounding skill set. Because what we're seeing now is, yes, he's guarding Brandon Ingram a lot, but sometimes he isn't because he's out there with Josh Kogi jared vanderbilt and they're there let's let's put them on a
2: scale i still think the dude isn't 200 pounds oh no and if you're playing the four in the nba and you're not 200 pounds nobody can give you a shit about not rebounding true but you would hope for more
1: I I think his his I, rebound totals. Name, are four, the, six name and me the name me the
2: reliable one hundred ninety five pound rebounders in the NBA. You know I mean maybe That's Connaughton right. for that matter. I mean I have no idea how you were just saying how how yesterday
1: we were watching it that he looked bigger. Um, I love him. I love him. Yeah. I I, I don't know. It, it's he might be two oh one. Part of part of my McDaniel's. I'm just saying I, I brushed over that in my McDaniel's assessment for this season. You know what I mean. And, Fair enough. Yep. and uh i i'm optimistic it'll improve but what i was gonna say is he's not uh, he's not grabbing the rebounds and often tipping them and that that's part of that that was part of the problem against you know the that Males is Houston. true he is not
2: whereas uh, and and to vanderbilt's credit he is a grabber of rebounds right
1: man that that one he got the offensive rebound but one I, of the best. I was a. I was right in front of us
2: too at the game. I was like. I mean, he he practically over half his body wound up on Valentunas' shoulders, which means I mean, Valentunas is a legit seven I feet. Know. He's listed at six eleven, but there's no way that dude is not seven feet. And so I think the solution, Vando, for
1: it, it, I, I think part of the solution at the power forward position is you got to go Vando more. And and we haven't really seen it, and you know, this is fun, I guess will be funny for some people coming for me, but I, I think you got to try some of the, some more minutes with Vando out there with that front group and let him space to the corner and let him shoot. And you know what? If D'Lo
2: is hot, they can get away with it. Mm-hmm. True. The reason why it isn't working right now is because the offense is broken because your $30 million guy right. is playing worse than Ricky Rubio did when he was in the lineup last year. Right. I mean, that's that's terrible. They they're not 3 and 0. in fact I wrote this in the column today. If if Delo gave you anything last night, either shooting or passing. They're 3 and 0. Right. I really think it would have been the difference because New Orleans didn't have to worry about. It. They stopped worrying about him. They wanted him to shoot. How many times was he wide open? Yeah. It was
1: Well, yeah, let's let's wrap on that. I mean,
2: it's a shame, yeah. you know, because I don't like him as a player much. And whenever I know I have that inherent bias, I want to bend over backwards to be open-minded. And my open-minded look right now is that he sucks. Well, know? how about the other side so, of the,
1: spe- the spectrum of it where <laughs> I was sitting here all summer, like big year for d coming, big year for d And then it's like, he's like contract year. And he comes out in the preseason and it's like, this dude's going to average 20 He's really a game, good. He looks you know, really good. Right. right. And, and I'm sitting there last night at the game being like, man, I'm this, what has happened in these first three games is almost completely deleting what I couldn't even remember where my optimism was coming from. It's been so bad and I don't want to overreact to three games. So I think we generally speaking should hold somewhat firm to our, you know, preconceived notions that are based on a bigger
2: sample size but well not only that but he is not even delo's worst year right was light years better than what he's playing like right now i mean but the dude he's playing like he's playing year. like
1: ryan saunders d'angelo russell right now
2: exactly and that is, i thought there was with, no
1: shot that was going to be the case
2: exactly and, and finch i mean finch retreated into the uh he started off, everybody's got a slump, and he's got it off the end of the slump. That's the old, uh, yeah, let me yeah. buy some time and see if, you know, he gets his, you know, hey, makes this work to out. To his credit, man, like, and, and I, I don't, know. He cops to it. He cops to yeah, it. Yeah,
1: like, Ryan didn't do that. Like, the, the it's very public record, I feel like, at this point, that that relationship was not copacetic between Saunders and Russell. Right. right and, right. you know, and we – we need to remain open-minded that Finch is going to handle this better than Saunders did, or that Russell's going to handle it, handle it better
2: than he did previously. Two-way street. And again, I mean, we talk about this with cat all the time. We talk about sooner or later, he's making everybody's decisions for them. I know for some reason, that's a hard thing for me to say decisions for him, but, uh, D'Lo is the same way. Dilo is on the knife's edge. He is going to be important to this team, yeah. Or he's going to be gone in mm-hmm. two years or a year, you know, um, or less. And yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, I, uh, there's a lot of there's a real polarization on D-Lo. Uh, You know, people who like him love him. People who don't like him hate him. And so I have no idea what the real You know, the, the, the smart, you know, no emotional sentiment is on D'Lo around the league. But my sense is that he's still not easy to move with that contract.
1: Right. No. And, and again, we got a lot, we got a lot more. I just actually got done to saying, I think he's in for a pretty big game against Milwaukee.
2: I think he is actually in for, I've got to think just on the law of averages, D'Lo, is not the player he's been the last three games. Right. I'm not a fan, and I can concede that in a in a blink, right. you know. And actually, to and and to actually say something nice about him for a change, I think his defense has actually been better than I expected. He still takes plays off, but he's getting deflections. He's in the system. He like, I mean, he's one of those guys I was talking about, like when Okogie is going nuts, D'Lo gets animated and gets into sure. it, you know. Uh, I, I think on balance, his defense is probably on a par as to what it was at the end of last year when I thought he was playing well. But um, I also think he has the capability of not being a gaping wound on defense mm-hmm. if you have the right people in the lineup with him. And and an
1: interesting leader in the mix here, too, that uh, I think leads behind the scenes a lot more than certainly Cat mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. apparently that ant now does, you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. right. I, I, I think it's a fact that D'Lo has clout within the people on his team uh, to to be a leading influence in, in that sort of right. way. And I'm, I'm curious to see how, you know, how he uses that. Because, I mean, the one thing that I think will be different about D'Angelo Russell this season, the last season is he's going to care a lot more.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and 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 already has. Yeah, yeah. I think he a lot more. I think I think
2: he cares. just isn't just, you know, I mean he 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 Finch is right to the extent he is in a slump. Um
1: I mean I'd be shocked. I, I mean my, my guess is the testiness came from number zero at practice today. Ah. I mean, I and that's not me. I I think I don't know. it might have come
2: from number one. I think Number one,
1: like we're how we're using code names here.
2: Um, right? Uh, no, I think Edwards, I think Edwards, I don't think Edwards tells the press something and then just goes and has fun mm. the next day.
1: Yeah. I, I also I would be curious, well, this is another reason why it would have been why I am nostalgic for the days when we were in the locker room after the games. That would have been an right, interesting right. game to be in the locker room. We would have known, right? Yeah, we right. would have known. And now we're in, I guess, context for the listeners. You know, we're in the we're in the press conference room, just waiting due to COVID protocols and such. So there's it's awful. Yeah, it's but at least we sit in a good place. <laughs> true, true. It's uh, it's like we're getting ready for the playoffs, you know, podium games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Britt. Well, we're um, we did about an hour here, so uh, so I can we'll we'll get back on here maybe after the Denver game on on Sunday or Monday or something, and, and see where this sure see where this, whatever this, works this where this team is at. Again, check out Britt's piece. We. We always find a way to not talk about it
2: that much. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's. I think you know. Hey, look, people will read it if they want to. If they don't, yeah. it's you know, sure. it it's all right. You know, I mean, uh, uh, what I will say is that um, I'm totally off the cuff here. I just say whatever's on my mind for better or for worse. Uh, when I put something down on paper, I'm prepared to defend it indefinitely for a while. Mm-hmm. So, or, or it. Inde- Definitely for a while. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there's. I mean, yeah, You didn't. You didn't hold
2: back on cat. Well, I mean, you know, I, I I actually think I I made a point of saying the things that were. Cat is valuable. Cat is not trash, right. but cat has some flaws that he has yet to address, and in year seven, that's becoming um he won't change territory right that's concerning well
1: your kicker on the article to read the last line as a tease was put simply yeah. it would be wonderful and a refreshing change of pace to root for cat if only he didn't make it so difficult which sitting by you knowing you well i i do know that is your opinion on cat you you love watching cat i do i
2: i think he's very important and i i mean He's given us six years of historic offense. You know, I mean, I've seen a lot of bad Timberwolves. He is in the top 10, if not the top five, you know. Well,
1: check that out over at minpost.com. Britt's Peace on Carl Anthony Towns, where the Timberwolves are at right now. Britt, thanks for doing the pod. And I, will, I won't I see you tomorrow night because are in Milwaukee, but I will see you at the game on Saturday. Sounds good. All right, until then, he's Britt at Britt Robson on Twitter. Follow me there at Dane Moore NBA. Until then, I'm Dane.
2: How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green it off so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah.